You're listening to episode 126 of the Mad Chatters podcast, February 22nd, 2017. Most everyone's mad here. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Mad Chatters Podcast, your very important date with the happenings at Walt Disney World and around the Disney Universe. I'm Derek, and on today's show, our lineup of co-hosts looks a bit different. I'm joined, as always, by my fellow chatter, Jeremy. Jumbo. But we're also joined by special guest and fellow Disney enthusiast, Marshall Knight. Hey, Marshall. Hello. How is everyone this eve? We're great. (laughs) Wonderful. And so excited you agreed to join us. Uh, at the last minute, Matthew needed to attend to an emergency related to his job. And of course, was so sorry that he wouldn't be able to record with us. But we're so glad and excited that Marshall graciously and bravely, I might add, accepted our invitation to be our third host. I feel like the Amy Sedaris of Letterman, that whenever someone calls out, you can just call me. Hey, it might happen. This is your test run. Sounds good. Oh, man, yeah, that's harsh. <laughs> Let's not get too comfortable in the chair yet. Hope right. the great things. And uh, we definitely want to wish Matt best of luck and hope those eyebrows grow back quickly. I hope to <laughs> keep your seat warm, sir. Uh, well, before we begin, do you want to tell our listeners anything about yourself or your Disney passions? Um, I write for LaughingPlace.com. For those who know all the various websites, I've been writing for them since my senior year of high school. Uh, I wrote for the Disney blog for a while, too. Um, John Frost site, and I don't know, what are some Disney bullet points of mine? Animal Kingdom's my favorite park. Mm. Hercules is the best animated movie. And my favorite movie of all time, which gets me made fun of, is Princess Diaries 2 Royal Engagement. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I love... um, First off, it was on sale at Target a couple weeks ago. I bought it. It was $10 for the double pack. Oh, yeah. I got it when they did the whole, like, promotional thing for Julie Andrews Princess Week. I was like, this is going to be the best purchase I ever make in my life. And I cannot get over... I just love that, you know, Julie Andrews song there and that, uh, (sighs) you know, like the last time she sang on screen. Yeah, yeah. It's so good. I wonder if Raven Simone, like, appreciates that she had that moment every day of her life. Like, I'd wake up and be like, I sang with Julie Andrews, you guys. Wait, Raven Simone is in that movie? Oh, yes. yes. That's why it's one of my favorites. It's not only with Raven Simone. You got Anne Hathaway before she got all weird with the Oscar. It came true. And then um, Julie Andrews. And then it was written entirely by Shonda Rhimes. Oh, wow. I did not know that. I did not know that either. Yes. I found that out once. And then she, when Gary Marshall died, she tweeted, which might be my favorite tweet of all time. Uh, Thank you forever, Gary Marshall, for the best advice I've ever got. Make him go bed surfing. Which is... <laughs> really why that movie's great too and it stars a pre-captain kirk chris pine right absolutely yeah, okay <laughs> oh my god the movie's so good <laughs> we have not even started and i feel like i know so much about you already all right well speaking of getting started let's talk about a rumor that you guys might have heard this week so disney files for these patents all the time and files for permits and all sorts of things and one of their recent permits had some people online talking because it seems to include some stations at various spots throughout walt disney world 
and it seems to include transportation lines. And um, because of the sharp turns on some of these transportation lines, a lot of people have been speculating that these are not monorails or boats or anything like that, but they are overhead gondolas. And if the buildings on the permits are indeed for gondola stations, then that would mean there would be stops at Epcot's International Gateway, uh, Caribbean Beach Resort, Pop Century, and then Hollywood Studios. So, of course, people are saying, is there going to be some sort of overhead transportation between Epcot and Hollywood Studios? What did you guys think about that? So, um, if I'm understanding right, you're going to ride in a gondola from Epcot to Hollywood Studios. Or to Caribbean Beach, or Art of Animation. Okay, and what kind like... When we say gondola, do we mean like, like, I mean like enclosed, probably seats. I don't know, ten people. Like they have these in New York City. They have them a lot in Europe. Like old school Kong at Universal. Yes, you know, like suspended from above. Yes, but not open air. Right. I'm just having like claustrophobic issues because I'm thinking about like the Mickey Fun Wheel out of DCA, like that kind of uh, enclosure. I feel like it'd be a little more spacious. I would assume, yeah, like three times that size. Like Orlando Eye size, I feel like. Mm, yeah. Big enough for a family. Where there's like enough room to walk around. Uh-huh. I mean, obviously this is all speculation at this point. But... Right, absolutely. Do you think it's really cheaper to do it that way than to just build the monorail? Disney seems to think so. Like, they've said forever that no, we're not doing another monorail. I don't know why. I've heard from like various, you know, online sources and people who are deep within it that monorail is like not a good mode of transportation. That as the years have progressed, it's kind of been like, this is for kitsch value at this point because it's not really like the most efficient way to go. Right. So, I mean, they must have found out that like, okay, gondolas is going to be easier. Yeah. I mean, monorails break down all the time. All the time. And the gondola, like I said, is becoming more popular. So it seems to, they seem to have found like the right way to run gondolas. When I saw the first announcement, I like found it interesting and like that's cool and everything. But I also found it weird that it would be an international gateway would be a stop. Like that seems so in the middle of everything, I guess. You know, like you'll be able to see the cable like as you're going on the bridge to France from the UK. Like that seems very out in the open. Yeah, uh, the sight lines will definitely like... As you're driving just on the Disney World highways, you'll see these things go above you, which will be strange. Yeah, major. But I will say, if you connect Hollywood Studios to International or to Epcot, I feel like International Gateway is the most logical place to go. Yeah, it is the most logical. It just still seems like the sightline thing is freaking me out. I'm like, Ugh, I don't know if that's going to look weird. It's bizarre. I, I think I would rather have a, a boat gondola that will, t- with uh, a, an Italian man that will sing to me the entire way. <laughs> They have them right there in Epcot. They can just unhook it, you know, and let just them go. Keep on going. Yeah. They like to save money. So just take the ones they already have. That seems like the best option. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> I gotta say, I'm all for it, but maybe just because it's like, ooh, new and shiny and exciting. I, I don't know. No, that makes sense. I'm also curious to know, like, will they do wraps for the movies too, if these happen? Like, I want movie themed wraps on every gondola as they go by. Yeah. Well, man, when was the last time they did that for the monorail even? Zootopia? Oh, that's right. That's right. They did that. But so it was so was... subtle that it was like, why even bother you? Right, right. Whereas, like, Tronorail. Ah, oh, rest in peace, Tronorail. Yeah, completely enveloped. 
Avenger Rail. Remember Avenger Rail? Oh, uh, yeah. Iron Man Rail. Wow. That's when it got a little rough. <laughs> that sounds like we're trying too hard, you guys. Yeah. Anyway, of course, if that turns into anything, we'll be the first. Well, we won't be the first, but we'll let you know on this podcast. Uh, let's just be honest. We won't be the first. The immediacy of your hopes. Is yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's go ahead and get things started with a round of munchies and merch. I have got to teach you about food. Close your eyes. Now. Take a bite of this. No, no, no! Don't just fork it down. <laughs> oh yes, I'm rumbling in my tumbly. Time for something sweet. And speaking of champions, friends, Canine Crunchies is the champion of all dog biscuits. Cheddar! Ah, This is the segment where we just discuss some food and merchandise we're excited about, or maybe we just have our eye on to purchase in the future. So I'm going to kick it over to you first, Jeremy. What's a food item you might want to try next time you're down there? All right, you know, I'm not on top of the food like uh, you and Matthew are. Uh, but I tried to do some homework, and so I was perusing the Disney Parks blog, and I discovered that Jico has uh, some new menu items. Are, were you aware of this? I, I saw that they have new items. I didn't look at them yet. Oh, well, I'm happy to break the news to you. Uh, <laughs> by the way, I also learned Jico is Swahili for melting pot. So No way. According to the Disney Park blog. Whereas Boma is Swahili for, like, animal pin. Which doesn't really seem fair. Ooh, that sounds but, so disgusting. It was like it's like a like a area where you can find animals. I hope that's what they rename the petting zoo at Rafiki's Planet Watch soon. <laughs> Just Boma, and then it's like double, and you're like, I don't know where to go. <laughs> Show up. Where's my reservation? Right. Um, I thought there was supposed to be tables and chairs, you guys. <laughs> okay. Anyways, uh, at the one of the new offerings there. I'm just going to read straight from the Disney Park blog, and then I have a photo that our listeners won't be able to see, but you two will. Uh, for sweet endings, the new Kilimanjari, excuse me, Kilimanjaro is a favorite of chocolate fans with Tanzanian chocolate mousse, pistachio financier. Does that sound right? I think it's financier. Oh, yeah, and financier just doesn't make sense either, but <laughs> I, it's what it's spelled like. Uh, pink peppercorn meringue cacao 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 is, that is this a bird right? calling show all of a sudden what's happening it's is that c-a-c-a-o i know what you're going for yeah i think it's c- cacao yeah we need matt all right and pineapple flavored with ras el hanat a moroccan spice blend anyways that sounded interesting to me and here is a photo Okay, that's all in one. That's all in one dessert. Yeah, that's one thing, and so it kind of looks like a bird's nest. It like does. A bird on an it looks egg. like the Soren logo. Th- there you go. <laughs> and there, but the red sauce kind of makes it look like it's menstruating or been shot or something. But it's oh my like- gosh! Wow, you went there. <laughs> um, wait, did you say peppercorn? Pink peppercorn meringue. 
Okay, that must not be what I'm thinking. I thought peppercorn no, was like... No, peppercorn is like a type of peppercorn that's supposedly sweeter. Okay, That's what I've heard. Be. It's kind of like balsamic vinaigrette can be used in sweet forms as well as like bitter. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Because I'm like peppercorn with chocolate. I was like, uh, I don't know about that. Yeah, so uh, next time I'm at Walt Disney World, I plan to uh, go over to Jico and try this exotic dish. Next time you're uh, stalking Joe Rody at Jico. <laughs> stalking Joe Rody and Jico, yeah, yeah. Honestly, the only time I've ever been to, G- to Jico was when I was trying Looking to find Joe Rody. Yeah, I totally... I, okay, if you didn't know the story, I we saw he was in Walt Disney World, and he, like, put a picture of him eating at Jico on Instagram. And so we, like, flew over there as fast as we could, and I lied to the hostess and was like, can I just look around? And she's like, yeah, of course. And I circled the restaurant, but did not see him. He had already left. Oh, I'm so sorry. But he pocketed his used napkin. I did not. That's not true. <laughs> I thought I saw it on eBay the other day. That's so weird. (laughs) Okay, so this was something that I saw previously, but then I was actually at the parks yesterday, and I went to Pizza Rizzo, which is now truly my favorite place to go at Hollywood Studios because that banquet room is the most ridiculous, and I love every second of it. You like Pizza Rizzo, not the other place. Not what place? Pizza Planet? There's only two. That's I was making a joke. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm with you. Right. I didn't understand the reference. That's I'm right. so sorry. Forgive Our me. listeners enjoyed it, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. They. Oh, I can hear the laughs. Um, <laughs> so I just love that banquet hall. I think it's like such a fun theming for a restaurant. And like they played Love Train and I just like go crazy in there. Anyway, so I tried the chicken sub, which isn't on the adult menu, but it's on the kids one. But if you ask, they can also give you... An adult option and it's just uh grilled chicken with provolone and they have marinara sauce i didn't get the sauce because i'm boring but it was just probably the best sandwich i've had at a disney park it was like the bread was really moist and everything was delicious and it was cheap because i got the kids meal because i'm cheap oh my god it was great wow that's a good tip so hold on it's just chicken and provolone yeah i'm boring so that was like prime martial food right there okay so it, which I can't find most of the time at parks, they had pink peppercorn and stuff. So then I'm like, what am I going to do? So it worked out well. I got my boring provolone and chicken, but everything was just cooked well. It was very exciting for me. You don't New put finds a are mayonnaise good. or anything on that? I'm not a peasant. No, I... I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying that seems kind of dry. Yeah, I know. And I, it was, that was what was surprising is that the chicken was very moist and the cheese and the bread was, nothing was dry in it. It was good. But yeah, I'm a like ham and cheese person all the way. And then all the people at like Earl of Sandwich look at me like, so that's it? Yeah, that's it. (laughs) That's a good tip for two reasons. Because A, you got the kids meal. And B, people always say bad things about the pizza. So try something else. Right, exactly. Yeah, because I had the pizza last time. And I was like, "Mm." but chicken sub and I get my banquet hall. It all works out well. What kind of sides does that come with? Like the, do you have to get the apple slices or whatever? Yeah, but Pizza Rizzo has different options than most of the kids meals it's uh goldfish apple slices i think it's like applesauce or yogurt and then there's um like this almost like a nutrigrain bar it's like an apple cinnamon nutrigrain bar which i hadn't seen anywhere else other than there so um i went with goldfish because i'm a six-year-old <laughs> <laughs> sounds good to me i like it okay so we've talked about boathouse a lot over the last few weeks And the next time I go, I'm determined to take enough people to split the baked Alaska 
which is kind of their, um, kind of the dessert they're most famous for at this point. And if you've never seen a baked Alaska, well, I say this, I don't really know if all baked Alaskas are like this, but this one is a giant wedge. It's like a foot high. So it comes out on a plate. It's about a foot high. And it's just a wedge of Rocky Road ice cream and then like meringue that's been, you know, kind of lightly torched all down the side. And then it has a graham cracker crust on it. And it says it feeds four people, but I've read several bloggers who said they had six or seven people with them and still couldn't finish it. Um, So I think mostly I just want to try it as like a challenge more than the food itself. Because marshmallows, I'm like... It's like a kitchen sink situation. Exactly. It's the new kitchen sink. Ooh. Maybe not. Them's fighting words. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which I've never tried that either. So maybe I should try them both on the same trip so I can give a, you know, expert opinion on which is better. Same day, even. Same day. That could be the only thing I eat those two, that day is the kitchen sink and the baked Alaska. I've seen a picture of this. It looks pretty uh, intense and intimidating. I, uh, For sure, I, I, yeah. And it comes. it's even more intimidating because it comes with a giant knife just like stabbed in the top of it. <laughs> it's really the most daunting dessert picture I've ever seen. <laughs> it really is. And people always take a picture of their face by it, which just shows how ginormous it is. Go Google Baked Alaska at Boathouse and you'll want to split it with me, I promise. Now, I wanted to ask you something, Derek, about an experience you had with some beverage item on your last trip that Matt and I enjoy, but you put out a cryptic tweet indicating you did not enjoy it. Yeah, so you and Matt both, right? I mean, I'm not as big on it as Matt is, but Matt definitely is all about it. Okay, Matt has raved about the peach oolong bubble tea in China, in Epcot, for like as long as I've been going to Disney. And it always sounded weird to me, but it was a hot day. Aaron, him, and I were doing the uh, scavenger hunt, the figment thing, and I really wanted a refreshing beverage. And Matt was like, ooh, I'm going to get that peach tea. So to me, like, peach tea is so refreshing. You know, it's cool, and it's iced, and it's sweet. And so that sounded really good to me. But it was making me nauseous. Like, I couldn't finish it, because every drink I took, one of those beads came through the straw, and it's like I couldn't have a single refreshing sip of a drink. Like, is that not annoying to you? Yeah, but you just pop them, and then you get a little extra flavor. Yeah, but the flavor of the beads is nothing to write home about. I've never wanted to do that. Like, I don't want fruit gushers in my beverage. Like, that's where the line, like, no. Except (laughs) fruit gushers have taste. And these things just taste like, well, tapioca. No, I I don't think that it's, I I understand what you're saying. I think maybe you had the wrong uh, idea about what the drink was going to do for you. It's not a gulp because I'm thirsty drink. It's a sip because I enjoy the experience. And so perhaps that's where you went astray. But the fact that it made you nauseous is concerning. Yeah, like, I think you're right. I went into it with the wrong mindset. I shouldn't have expected something refreshing. But even beyond that, something about the taste of the beads was making me sick to my stomach. Yeah, not my favorite. But I'm glad that Matt has a drink he enjoys. Well, I say drink in quotes because I wouldn't even call it that. What would you call it? (laughs) Like a snack? I I don't know. A disappointing experience. <laughs> That's exactly what I've got. I chewed more than I drank. So. <laughs> Ooh, that sounds awful. <laughs> don't do it. Don't don't get it. 
Yeah. Anyway, well, that brings us to merchandise. What have you got your eye on, Jeremy? Uh, actually, nothing, uh, to be honest. I Googled <laughs> some stuff. But here's the thing. I, I'm going to make a comment on merchandise. Um, I am shocked at all this Rivers of Light merchandise that has come out for something that's probably not going to be around very long or it's going to be around for way too long i can't decide it's going to be one or the other but i'm leaning towards the rivers of light will not be a thing so on one hand i'm like wow this merchandise is going to be one of those rare walt disney world items that probably like five ten years down the road somebody's going to flash a picture on twitter and we're all going to be like oh wow can you believe they made pins for that show um, but they have a ton of merchandise for it. You can get pins, uh, little light-up sticks. There's shirts. There's magnets. I mean, there's patches. I think like it, it, all the Rivers of Light material that you want is is available for a show that is wildly disappointing, from what I understand. I have a theory on why there's so much merch. So it's supposed to come, bleh, supposed to come in April, right? So then you had the merchandise team came up with like a couple things. And then every time they've, like, told the merchandise team, like, on the down low, hey, we think we're opening it in August. Hey, we're thinking of opening it in October. The merch team has been like, well, we have to pretend we care. So they've had to make more and more. <laughs> and now they have this abundance of stuff. And they're like, I guess we give it all out at one time. Like, I'm not sure. And now that's why we have totem poles that light up. Really? <laughs> <laughs> that makes so much sense. <laughs> yeah, here's my tip. Don't buy any of these things. Wait till they go on sale and uh, you'll or find them on sale at the Disney character outlet warehouse, whatever that thing is, and you'll get yeah. them for 75% off. I think you're too hard on Rivers of Light. I think you read like two disappointed reviews and now in your mind, everyone's disappointed by this thing. No, I've read way more than two. And honestly, the only positive things I've read about it were not they seemed like they were grasping at straws to make it positive. It was like, it wasn't that boring. It, it was nice for like the middle. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh man. I feel like it has consistently the tone though, just seems like it's illuminations from the get go. There's like a big opening and then there's like mediocre, mediocre, mediocre. And then like a big <laughs> finale. And then it's yes. like a little bit more mediocre as you're walking out. And that's been around for what? 17 years ish now so i think it's going to be around for a while true but i i'm a little offended that you call uh eliminations mediocre but i'll get over that mm. uh the middle section of that is a total snore fest only I'm, when you don't understand it if you understand what's happening i love illuminations but i don't have to have a pamphlet to read while i'm watching <laughs> this globe come out to the center well all right i'll give you that <laughs> okay so I my piece of merchandise that I was excited about, but I'm afraid it's gone now. Okay, did you, Marshall? Did you go to the Festival of the Arts at all? Yes, loved it. Okay, did you look at some of the vendors of artists, or did you just kind of pass by them? I looked and went, oh, I wish I had money, and then walked away. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay, so you may, this may sound familiar to you, but it might not. Okay, so we stopped at one. And we're staring at this painting for probably five minutes because it was, it's kind of hard to explain. And I've been looking all weekend for a picture of this and I cannot find it. But it was essentially the partner statue in front of the castle. Okay, so like when you're standing far away, that's what you see. But to make it, he had drawn all these tiny parallel squiggly lines all over that kind of formed the castle and then Mickey and Walt. Ooh, love that. 
It's cool. Yeah, it's really cool. But the thing is, as you look at it longer, you realize in all these parallel lines and squiggly lines, there are a billion things hidden in here. So, like, in the top left, you see Donald's head upside down, even though it just looks like the sky from far away. And then, at, at one point, like, scroll, you see his entire, um, to all who come to this happy place, welcome. Like, written in these little lines. And you see Mickey's head, and you see all these... Like, the more we looked at it, the more we found. And, of course, it was a giant mat. And so, like you said, I asked about the price. Because I was thinking, if this thing is $99, I would probably buy this, and then it'll be my check check bag. Uh, It was $300, so I did not buy it. (laughs) But now I wish I had bought just the print size, because I think it was, like, 30 for the 14... 11 by 14... Which, when it's that small size, you can't quite see. Like, it, you need a magnifying glass to see everything. But it was so cool, because the longer we stood there, the more we unpacked. But The uh, Where's Waldo of Fine Art. It was just like that. The only thing, like, I have no idea how I'm going to find that thing now. Because I, I searched all the artists that were listed in the, like, the the Times Guide and all that. Oh, okay. Oh, that's a bummer. I know. I don't... And now the festival's over, so... How long was that stuff being on the Art on Demand? Is it leaving after the festival? Oh, I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, it could end up at, like, the Art of Disney or something. Right, because maybe you can look through that, like, screen next time you're there and hopefully f- come across it. Yeah, that's a good good idea. One day, it'll just pop up in the most unexpected place, and I'll Have probably... Have to spend more. $300. <laughs> yeah, I probably won't buy it again, but I'll take a picture at least. Sorry, I didn't mean to uh, go out of order. Marshall, you go ahead. I'm offended. I'm leaving. No, it's really fine. Um, <laughs> I have not been the biggest fan of Disney Store Online's yesteryear line of shirts. There haven't been a lot of my favorites. Um, I did get a great Three Caballeros one a while back, but um, at the moment, they released a Studios Backlot Tour one that is sweet. It's like neon yellow with the old school logo, and I'm obsessed with it. And I hate that they're like $28, but I might have to splurge and get it because it's just a beautiful sight to behold. I thought the exact same thing. Well, my first thought was, I wish I cared more about that attraction because I love the shirt, you know? Yeah, I was I was one of those people who fought for it, even though I knew it was crap. There you go. You know, where I was like, but guys, Catastrophe Canyon, the Golden Girls house used to be here. Yeah, well, it's not here now. It's one of those things where I fought for it till the day it died. <laughs> well, then you need that shirt, I think. Yeah. The last day it was in operation was a dapper day, too. So they did, and that was bef- uh, before Dapper Day stopped doing the group ride. So they did a group ride. Everyone went on Backlot Tour. And when I was in line, someone had a seizure in line. Oh, man, it was a day. Last day of Backlot Tour. Crazy. Anyway. Wow. We might have to pitch in and get you that shirt then. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, you believe that? Dang it. We'll have a GoFundMe page. <laughs> yeah, so they came out with that one, the Figment one. And then... Did you see the Figment controversy, though? No. The new the shirt gives him these weird pupils, but the original shirt design from the '80s has no pupils, and it makes him look like normal. But this one gives him like staring you, looking into your soul pupils, and everyone's like a little angry about it. Ooh, weird. Oh, and the third one is River Country, because Matt is obsessed with River Country, and I'm like, Matt, you need this shirt. They get you. They just I get know. you. And, they- and then with shipping, they're like thirty five dollars. Yeah, but then they're like two for forty four. Isn't that a great deal, you guys? Buy them all, <laughs> <laughs> plus shipping. Right, yeah, they get. You. Yeah, the the price of t shirts just in general is crazy. Because I went to see Dolly Parton in concert this past summer, and I spent forty dollars for a shirt. And concerts are like out of this world expensive. 
it's it's crazy. I'm like, I cannot believe I just spent that much on a shirt. Probably something I'm going to spill something on and stain and be really upset about. But yeah, I don't understand how they get away with charging that much for a shirt because you know they're printing them backstage for like three bucks a pop. Right. Absolutely. All right. Well, we haven't done enough arguing on this show, so uh, let's do some Disney debates. Disney debates is when we throw out a topic and then the other two chatters have to debate the topic. And the third debate, third chatter is a impartial judge. And I stress impartial because we have been known to have some partiality on this show. Um, only when I lose. But uh, anyway, so tonight, uh, Marshall, he's you know jumping into it. Hopefully he'll be all right. Well, here's the thing. Okay, two things about this segment. First of all, I've been asked a few times if we, like, pick what we debate. And the answer is no. So, like, we don't always necessarily agree with what we're saying. Um, I think a lot of the times we do in general. But we are assigned, or at least we we pick which one, which one of the two we're going to debate or argue for but that doesn't necessarily mean that reflects our true feelings just putting that out there but this week it especially that's especially true because instead of us picking what we're going to debate we had the third person pick for us what we're going to debate if that makes sense so marshall's really coming in um at a disadvantage because matt and jeremy and i picked these debates um but with that being said jeremy you have asked us to debate whether Mama Melrose or Whispering Canyon is the better dining experience. Marshall, I'll let you decide whether you want to go first or whether you want me to go first. I want to hear you attempt to say Mama Melrose is great, so I'm going to go <laughs> and let you have it. <laughs> yeah, this should be proof that we don't pick which ones we, put, which ones we argue for, because I have not said kind of things. I believe it's in your bio on the site how much you love this restaurant. Oh, wow. So. You did a deep dive into the Mad Chatter. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. So let's talk about Mama Melrose for a second. Everyone loves a Walt Disney World vacation. But even those of us who would go to Walt Disney World on every vacation, if we could, even we can agree that it's always nice to take a break from the noise and from the crowds, and just relax. And one of the best ways to do that is at a sit-down restaurant. And I think that that is especially true at Hollywood Studios because you've had a whole day of riding thrill rides like Rock and Roller Coaster where people are screaming and yelling, and you've been on a great movie ride hearing horrible tour guides attempt to act and convince you that they enjoy movies. And you've been hearing, like, Star Wars shows just pop up randomly in the middle of the street and yell at you. Um, so it's nice to just go to a quiet place, sit down in silence, and enjoy a nice meal. And I think Mama Melrose provides that. As opposed to the one that Marshall will later argue for at Whispering Canyon. Definitely does not provide that. But imagine sitting in a pretty, a pretty beautiful restaurant. Um, and it's certainly loud in its decor, what with its statues and interesting artifacts, but it's supposed to be loud in its decor. But it is not loud in volume. It's quiet, relaxing, 
The lighting is dark and intimate. The Italian music is relaxing and beautiful. The cuisine, comfort food. I mean, who doesn't love spaghetti? Come on, ever since you were a kid. It's those Italian classics everyone loves. I think it's the perfect spot to fill up and rejuvenate before going back into the chaos that is Hollywood Studios, which is, in my opinion, why it's a better experience than crazy, chaotic, horse-galloping Whispering Canyon. Wow, it's deep in here. It's That hurt me <laughs> to feel you, to hear you try to make that sound great. Wow. I'm offended by try to. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you like an A for effort. Yes. Okay. Whispering Canyon, you guys. If Samantha Brown loves it, it has to be a great restaurant. Samantha Brown, back in Ought 3, traveled to the Wilderness Lodge on her wonderful Great Hotels program on the Travel Channel and took us on a tour of Wilderness Lodge and took us to Whispering Canyon and ordered ketchup and went on a horse around the restaurant and had the best time. And don't you want to follow in Samantha Brown's footsteps? You do. Mama Melrose is the definition of not trying. The decor of throwing just whatever they want in there, keeping it low so no one notices the decor because you can only see the person in front of you. The one time I also went to Mama Melrose was not comfort food. The waiter pushed the pumpkin risotto on me. No, no, no. I didn't come for the pumpkin risotto. I came for normal Italian food. Don't try to be artsy, Mama Melrose. Whispering Canyon is a great time with classic barbecue-esque food where everyone gets involved and even the shyest kids are pulled into the mix and have a great time galloping around like you insulted. It's a grand old time. Whispering Canyon is great. Mama Melrose is soon to be a abandoned hole in the side of the Christmas store at Hollywood Studios. <laughs> Show me your proof. <laughs> no pick, no proof. <laughs> yeah. I, I got it. Okay, I'm ready to roll. <clears throat> Order in the court. Uh, I appreciate, Derek, the fact that <laughs> the only appeal that you had was go to Mama Melrose because nobody else is there. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that's why it's quiet. You want one-on-one uh, VIP treatment at Walt Disney World? I know where to go because nobody else is going there. Uh, that was good. That was I did not see that coming. Um, I also did not see a Samantha Brown reference coming either. <laughs> I thought that was very... I try uh, to incorporate it in everyday life, so... You know, and I spend my life asking myself, WWSD, what would Samantha do? As uh, most people do, preach. I feel. Listen, you made fun of my argument that you don't need a reservation and you'll get one-on-one attention, but the the counter, I should have brought this up, is when we went to Whispering Canyon for the first time, I believe we waited at least 45 minutes past our reservation. Would you rather have that than get in without a reservation? Mm, no. That is true. You know, you're right. However, the debate was which is the better experience, and... Uh, I don't like to be alone in a restaurant. That just makes it feel creepy. Marshall did bring up some good points. I have fond memories of Derek riding a stick horse around that restaurant. And, uh, no pick, no proof. You can't take <laughs> there. What? There are pics somewhere. Video, I believe, or I'm going to hunt that down after this. Fortunately, I don't have this <laughs> and I don't want to see this. It was a great experience. It really was. Uh, so I'm going to award it to our guest, uh, Marshall, Congratulations, you are the victor in this debate. Yay! Well, that was nice of you to keep our agreement that we would let Marshall win. 
both of them. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. I don't remember. Wow, um, you know what? <laughs> I have a meeting, so I got to skedaddle, and I will see you all never. Have a great one. Okay, well, I'll let you two go next. I have asked you to debate. What did I tell you? Uh, okay, so you have to tell me which attraction should stay in Walt Disney World. Mission Space or Stitch's Great Escape? So you're going to have to be some good debaters on this round. So which one have you guys chosen? So, th- I, I'm sorry, there was a little confusion. It's which one is should stay? Yeah. Is that going to mess you up? I got incorrect information, and I'm going to have to fight this with the court. Well, then you can <laughs> switch attractions if you want. I don't know if that'll help. But yeah, the argument, I wanted you to convince me that it should stay in Walt Disney World. Okay. So I'm arguing why Mission Space should stay. Yeah. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Mission Space. Oh, on the cuff. Whoa. It's all right. I'm a pro. I've been watching some SVU. So here we go. When I think about the future, you know what I think about? I think about uh, robotic wait staff. I think about uh, flightless, uh, not flightless, flying cars and gondolas in the sky. And I also think about traveling to Mars. Uh, we right now are in the uh, early developments, not even early developments, we are knee-deep thick in research and planning to send people to Mars, to colonize Mars. What a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. Derek, I know that you are a, a fan of Oscar-winning performances, Oscar-nominated performances, and there we go. saw <laughs> The Martian. Uh, and when we all saw The Martian, we dared to dream what it would be like to go to Mars. Only I think most of us said, well, I'm never going to Mars <laughs> after that movie. Your Honor, you're out of order. <laughs> uh, uh, what else, where else can you have your dreams fulfilled? Two places, and they happen to merge. One is at Walt Disney World, Epcot, and the other is under the watchful eye of Gary Sinise. Both places are magical, in my opinion, and both places can be found right at Mission Space. Mission Space, a place so revered that even Kelly Clarkson herself said, I will only perform on a stage in front of that giant red planet revolving into the future. Uh, It's so revered that they have to, uh, people die on that ride, but did they shut it down? Absolutely not. They said we'll make a weaker version for the weaker species and we will trudge on into the future. Mission Space is a pillar of hope for the future of the human race and that's why it deserves to stay at Walt Disney World. I'm sweating for you. That was intense. (laughs) Thank you. As is the attraction. Here is why you're completely incorrect. (laughs) You, you bring up the Martian, but, and you bring up Matt Damon's great performance for a comedy. Golden Globe. Still don't understand that. (laughs) And Jessica Chastain's beautiful self, but they're not on mission space. We're stuck with Lieutenant Dan and his Botoxed forehead. (gasps) And my favorite ethnically ambiguous lady with accent from Europea. I can't take that anymore. (laughs) Stitch's Great Escape. I will give you the one reason that 
even I am shocked why it should stay. I am currently in the throes of um, applying to the Disney College program. And I am on the Facebook page where everyone talks about whatever. And I posted a query the other evening. What is your favorite fallen attraction? Out of a hundred or so comments, that's not me, me being cocky, that's me just staying statistics. I think 40 of them said Stitch's Great Escape. Did I expect that? No, I did not. But apparently it's a very loved attraction. Mission Space also gives you claustrophobia out of your mind. You're fighting for a ride that you just complained about the gondolas giving you claustrophobia. I am ashamed, sir. The contradictory attitudes that you are possessing right now is ridiculous. Mission Space is the definition of anxiety. Stitch's Great Escape is a open area. It freaks you out a little bit, but you're okay because you're sitting next to multiple people who are having the same experience as you and you can breathe. Breathing's good. And you don't have to worry about a white bag in front of you that you could possibly vomit into because that's not gonna happen on Stitch's Great Escape. And you know what else is great about Stitch's Great Escape? The wait will never be more than 10 minutes because it's kind of not loved, but also the, um, it moves people through, it moves people through. And this whole rumor about Wreck-It Ralph, it's not gonna happen because Stitch's Good Escape is gonna stay open forever because the capacity is huge. And Stitch is still a beloved character. Anyway, I rest my case. Uh, can I have a counterpoint for just a moment, Your Honor? I know this is a little unorthodox. Uh, first off, we're citing college kids and we're diminishing the character of an American hero like Gary Sinise. I'm just throwing that out there. It's shameful. This is Trump's America. Second, uh, I've said for years, it's not a good time until you feel like you're going to vomit. So I kind of like having some barf bags there. It means that the experience is good. I believe we just had a discussion off the air last week where you said you hate vomiting. <laughs> That's a true story. But... Also, I feel like your love of Gary Sinise would induce vomiting anyway. But anyway, <laughs> and I'm just going to keep that to myself. Sorry. <laughs> Please continue. Wow, all right. It's really shady on the podcast this week. Uh, and then third, I just feel like we should probably write a blog like Hidden Secrets if you want to be an introvert at Walt Disney World because you totally could be alone at Mama Melrose and Stitch's Great Escape. There you go. There's always people waiting outside. Anyway, okay, go ahead. Make your decision. They're waiting outside because they don't know any better. People don't know any better either on Mission Space and they died. So just going <laughs> to say that. <laughs> Gosh, y'all, this is really hard. I think I'm going to have to go with a person who played the Kelly Clarkson card. <laughs> ah, yes, I oh, that. garbage. No, but also she performed in front of Tree of Life, too. So this is... I. Are you saying Tree of Life should go? <laughs> no, I'm saying that she performed at both. And, she, and he made the argument that she said only Mission Space. You know what? I'm over these new Disney Parks Christmas parades anyways. They're not even the parades. <laughs> Okay, so here's my reasoning. A, um, even though, like, Jeremy somehow made someone dying as, like, a reason it should stay, and it actually made sense, kind of, if you don't think about it too much. And also, Marshall, you were a little harsh on your attraction, because you're like, sure, even though it's it's not very fun. Um, it's hard to argue for a crap attraction, let's it be honest. It's true. It is and listen, true. when that chili dog goes off in my face, I do want to vomit way more mm. than I do on Mission Space. Doesn't scare you with bags, though. Mm. <laughs> listen, I, I, I will go back to what I said originally. That is a very hard call because you both did an excellent job. 
but and claustrophobic i get a little claustrophobic when that thing lowers on your shoulders yeah it's over you won okay take a chill pill (laughs) yeah thank you (laughs) i'm just making comment at this point my goodness i've lost already let me live my life okay (laughs) you just like the revenant yeah (laughs) oh okay all right now the last debate derek and i will be debating uh which is a better waterfall derek is going to be arguing that the waterfall outside of be our guest is better and i will be arguing that the waterfall in canada is better the argument of aesthetics go ahead there you go why don't you go first eric because i feel like uh the judge is a little upset at me at this point so okay it's probably a good call um i think it's pretty clear that this was matt's choice because (laughs) matt is obsessed with water features um but alas marshall will be our judge today and i'm actually surprised he didn't pick the waterfall outside Eric's castle as one, because I personally think that's... Great waterfall. That's, that's better, but that's okay. I will be arguing for Beast Castle, the waterfall outside that. It's easy to think of Beast Castle as just that, you know, that tiny grouping of turrets at the top of some rockwork there in the back of Magic Kingdom. But Beast Castle encompasses so much more than that. You can spot it from far away. You know, you're rounding the carousel, entering New Fantasyland, and there it is. But as you get closer, you see the bridge that leads all the way to the castle. You see the gargoyle lampposts that are along that bridge. You see underneath the bridge, you see the, the small body of water, and there's the flowing tide that's just rushing and crashing over the rocks below. My point is this. Beast Castle is not just a castle. It's part of a larger story. You're not just outside a prince's home. You are in that prince's world, completely enveloped in his kingdom. And I would argue that that waterfall is a very essential part of that story. It reminds you that you're not in some huge city or metropolis or the capital of a nation. You are deep in the woods, hidden from the rest of society, hidden from the provincial town, if you will, almost banished. As you look at that waterfall, your head goes higher and higher and you realize that, man, the falling water is coming from way high above and it it's high off the ground and that's how far that castle is. It's just set apart. And even the sound of the water, I would argue, it pulls you in and it makes you forget that there's a loud theme park behind you with screaming children and hungry moms or whatever. It ju- You're just like totally absorbed and immersed in this environment. Walt Disney World is all about storytelling and I think... Something even as simple as the waterfall outside Beast Castle is one of the best, albeit subtle, ways of telling the story Disney wants to tell. Which is why I think it's better than a waterfall in Canada that's like, oh, I see Canada has waterfalls. So does every country. That doesn't make it Canadian. I'm sorry. Wow. Okay. Sorry, Canadians. (laughs) Derek's the crutch of his argument there is that you feel like you're secluded and way off hidden by beast waterfall. But the truth is you're not, even when you're enjoying it, you're still in the middle of a major walkway surrounded by strollers, bashing your ankles and hungry, overweight people trying to get in to be our guest. And then smart aleck people mouthing off to the overweight people and starting a fight. I'm not saying that's ever happened. <laughs> I was with Derek and it almost did. <laughs> Anyways. Those strollers are outside the entrance. 
only people who have reservations are allowed in to the bridge. All right, your time's up. Thank you. Uh, but do you do you want to have seclusion? Do you really want to feel like you're set apart from the chaos of a theme park? Then you need to go to Canada because as you are going through World Showcase, you come to the Canada Pavilion. There's a lovely totem pole. Has nothing to do with Rivers of Light, but it's there. Uh, you have a nice little trading post that you can go into and buy merchandise. Uh, a beautiful replica of that one building in Canada. I can't remember the name of it, but it's there. But then you get a better surprise. And that is, you say, I would like to go see Martin Short, because who doesn't? And you start walking towards the theater and just come over that little hike up the stairs there. Boom beautiful waterfall and not only a beautiful waterfall huge overwhelming i can't believe this is back here waterfall and that's what makes it so spectacular it is such a hidden treasure of world showcase because you cannot see it you can't even hear it from the from the regular path you actually have to go out of your way to find this unkept uh beautiful uh water feature it is not highlighted it now this is something that any other theme park or any other area would purposefully put right there that you would not miss it or it would just be a little trinkle that nobody would notice because eh, nobody really comes back here no this is gorgeous so gorgeous in fact that people will have their wedding ceremony right in front of it is anybody getting married in front of beast waterfowl uh waterfall nope not that I've seen. Derek, have you seen anybody? Nobody can afford that. It's a yes or no question, and the answer is no. Okay. Uh, again, this is just such a wonderful place. And maybe you don't want to get married, but you do still want to enjoy the water feature. That's fine. You can go back there and just stand and reflect, throw a penny in, listen to the, to the rushing water. You know, people buy machines that make that noise, and you can get it for free. With the price of admission, <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> for only a hundred dollars a day. <laughs> I'm starting to lose the judge, so I'm going to quit right there. Yeah, I would stop now. When you're talking about noise making machines, I would be like, "Ooh, now you're pushing it." Um, well, worthy arguments from both of you, Derek. We need to talk about your love of being alone at the parks because I feel <laughs> like you shouldn't be going to Disney anymore. You use this in both your arguments, and it's not the best way to go um if you want to be alone i have bish gardens tampa here and you'll be alone all the time <laughs> oh don't shade <laughs> no i did not say anything about being alone at mama melrose i said that's quiet that does not mean you're alone it just means it lends you lost it. that one you lost this one too it's okay <laughs> jeremy point to you <laughs> yes <laughs> just because he picked you uh, no that's not this is not quid pro quo isn't that what they say yeah there you go. See? I know these things. I'm a lawyer. Deal with it. Everyone's faces of just, I didn't watch that episode of How to Get Away with Murder. Um, <laughs> Viola Davis has never said that. I'm not sure what they're talking about. No, I learned that from The Good Wife. Yeah, quid pro quo. Well, uh, just for those keeping score at home, Jeremy yes, too. Yes, we remember. We remember. Thank you. There you go. i just like to remind the listeners. I, I'll take my pity point and take it to the bank. Thank you very much. Well, I'll sit outside the bank and beg for points, I guess. Oh, that's really sad. Oh, wow. This took a turn. <laughs> Sorry. Feed the birds. I'll give you half of my tuppence or points, whatever we want to call it. 
<laughs> they won't even buy me a bag. Uh, well, that's your fault for losing twice. <laughs> All right. <laughs> It's time for another Mad Cheddar Top 5 list where we rank our absolute favorite items at Walt Disney World in various categories. And our last Top 5 list was way back in episode 111 when we ranked our favorite themed environments in all of Walt Disney World. This week we're once again talking about theming, but we're doing so on a much smaller scale. And on this week's show, we'll be listing our top five cast member uniforms throughout Walt Disney World. Uh, So while they may not immerse you in a theme as much as, say, a waterfall or a mountain might, the uniforms worn by cast members are certainly an important part of the storytelling at the Disney parks. So without further ado, let's kick off our lists with our number five picks. Jeremy, would you like to do the honors of getting us started it would be a pleasure my number five is a very simplistic one but i think it works well for the attraction and that is the cast member uniforms at space mountain no splash mountain excuse me i was like that's an interesting (laughs) choice all right i misread my notes uh splash mountain um i really like First off, Splash Mountain is a wonderful attraction. It is my favorite attraction, as I have said numerous times. My favorite attraction in uh, uh, Magic Kingdom. However, Splash Mountain suffers from identity crisis, in my opinion, in that it is a ride that is based on um, a southern fairy tale, I guess you could say, that is stuck in the middle of the frontier west. Like a fable, maybe? Fable, okay. I always said fairy tale because it's Disney, but we'll go with Fable. Uh, but my point is, it's out of place in the grand scheme of Frontierland when you think about the overall theme. Like, you know, it's not Wild West, and it's stuck right there between Pecos Bills and uh, Big Thunder Mountain. And, you know, it's like, how does this work? But we don't mind that. We just kind of let it go. Uh, so that being said, I feel like that the cast member uniforms maintain some Frontierland-esque elements, but still bring in that Southern charm. For instance, they wear like the boots, like the West, like I think of like Western boots kind of feel, kind of the khaki shorts that make them feel like they've been out in the desert. But then they have the nice like bluish, I don't know, is that teal? Is that baby blue? What color is that? I'd go baby blue. Yeah. A baby blue. Um, with like the little white collar, uh, almost like a dicky kind of a feel <laughs> around their neck. Not like a dicky. <laughs> a dicky's <laughs> like a turtleneck. Oh yeah, My, without that turtleneck part. But you know what I'm talking about? Like it's like a little yeah. embroidered. Uh, it's like a lobster bib. <laughs> okay, it there is we go. Kind of, it yeah. is more like that, yes. But when I look at it, I think like Southern ladies dining room <laughs> you know like like the tablecloth look <laughs> yeah, i'm losing you but that's okay um <laughs> wait these are our top five cast members <laughs> and that it works for that attraction yeah it does so it's almost like you're arguing that that ties the whole theme together is those cast member costumes it really kind of does because again um song of the south does not fit in with the old west but 
Except for the racism. (laughs) That that's true. So Smash Mouth, my number five. That was a good one. I enjoyed that. My number five pick is not one that necessarily stands out. But when you see it, it's like, oh, well, that's really charming and fits the theming very well. And I'm talking about the people who hold the balloons on Main Street USA. Aww. Right? That's exactly what I say when I see them. So they have the blue shirts, but then everything else about them is white. So they have the white pants that are like rolled up to the knee and then they have the white socks, the knee socks, and then their shoes are white, and they have the white hats on. And it's, it's just, like, so clean and so simple. And I don't know, it just it makes you think of a simpler time, you know? And they're holding the balloons, which I guess kind of adds to their uniform, so I don't know if that's fair, because I'm kind of seeing them all as one big thing. Um, but it just makes you think of a really simple time when everybody was happy and everybody was on this pleasant street and, you know... A simpler time when it was acceptable to wear white after Labor Day. Ooh. <laughs> yes. Shantae, you stay. <laughs> I like, I love the balloon people because I always feel like they're Cinderella Disney bounding as Newsies. Oh, it's so great. <laughs> it's exactly <laughs> what it is. Oh my God, I love them so much. Yeah, but anyway, I, I just really like those uniforms. I think they're quaint and perfect. My number five is probably the most hated costume at Disney. Hear me out. I don't know why I love it so much, but I think it adds to the area around it, which is also the most hated area at Disney. Again, hear me out. Chester and Hester's Dino-Rama. Those costumes are so abhorrent <laughs> consistently that it matches the ridiculous nature of that mini land. I kind of love it because it's so ridiculous and doesn't match anything else at Animal Kingdom that I just like give the Imagineers credit for building it in the first place. But when I think of like a kitschy Route 66 stop, I think of you know tons of colors and patches on patches and everything. And that's what Chester's and Hester's gives me. The perfect costume to match the perfect area that no one ever wanted. Is it kind of like that lime green and red? Is that what they wear? Yeah, and then like their okay. bat butt pocket is like in the shape of a dino claw yeah yeah Yeah. and they've got like the dino claws i think they have them like on their thighs too as if a dinosaur has run over them yeah i think there's like trails of them along their legs at some points too like a bloody (laughs) dino foot has just trampled on them Ooh, bloody (laughs) dino foot it's in this season mark jacob yeah those those things are hideous (laughs) hideous but in like the best possible way maybe maybe so they're kitschy. I do agree with you in that I give them credit that they went there. Like, yeah. like you you definitely said this is kitschy, this is over the top, this is ugly, and we're going to match that with the cast member costumes. Yeah, because that had, that was a separate that was a separate decision from wardrobe. Like I feel like they were like, Hey wardrobe, here's the different lands for Animal Kingdom. Blah, 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 blah. And this is uh, like a roadside carnival. And they were like, oh, we hear you. And we're going to match you. Don't oh, worry I wish it. I was a fly on the wall at that meeting of just like, this is what you're giving us. And then the costume people being like, okay. And just did like side eye as they're looking at the people drawing up the costumes. Being like, we'll give you what you want. I also wanted to be there the day Joe Rody came by to like see the samples. Like, here's what they're going to be wearing in Africa. Here's Asia. 
And here's Chester and Hester's boom. I can imagine the costume people also like drew each one having a big ear as like even more shade. You know, about <laughs> being like, this is what you're okaying. We'll give it to you. Whatever you want. Look at the ears. Or I feel like there's like a Tim Gunnish kind of guy in the back, and he's like, you know what these pants need? Dinosaur footprints. Now yes, I want to be the Tim Gunn of Disney. Oh my god, you shouldn't have got that in my head. Just like walk around to all the make it work. Oh my god, that'd be incredible. Oh man, they did not make it work. I mean, to go to work every day wearing that, just like you know, in a morbid thought, when that lady died and got pulled on the track when um, Primeval World, like when she was working Primeval World a couple years ago, the entire time I saw the press release, I thought she died in that. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I felt so bad. <laughs> May she rest in peace. May she rest in peace. <laughs> yes. Mm. All right. Number four. Uh, moving on quickly. Um, my number four is, you know, when I, I love World Showcase. World Showcase is just a wonderful place. Um, but when I started thinking about the costumes in World Showcase, it's very borderline racist <laughs> some of them because like it's just like very stereotypical um some of the countries really really cross that line when you really start thinking about it, like wow that's kind of offensive but one country that i think does it really well and that is canada i think that their costumes are the best in world showcase because they're really canadian but they're very simple as well in that they are just like a nice plaid shirt design like a red and black plaid with like the khaki pants and honestly when i think canada that's what i think like i think everybody up there is wearing plaid everybody's a lumberjack justin trudeau next portrait (laughs) there you go it's standing next to a beautiful waterfall yeah i like those do you think that's real flannel Mm -mm. it can't be if they would that's like rude i know that's so hot (laughs) they die of heat stroke every day in yeah. the summertime. I can't believe like the people, the thugs on Festival of the Fantasy, like with all that fake fur, I don't even know how they do it either. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, Ugh. yeah, no, it's got to be some, it's a much more breathable fabric, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I really do like those, I'll be honest. It, they're so different from all the other countries, I think. Yeah, so, but Canada, uh, it, it, they do well. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, my number four pick is something we've talked about before, but I have to address them. The Tower of Terror uniforms with mm-hmm. the, the men have the double-breasted coats that go all the way to the floor, like they're burgundy. And it's got the yellow stripes around the cuff, and the, they have the nice bellhop, I don't know what those are called, bellhop, bellhop hats that almost look like a fez, a fez but without the... <laughs> Would it be but, a pillbox? I really don't know. Like pillbox hats? Is that technically? Who knows? This isn't Jackie O'Corner. Go on. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Uh, the the flat the flat hats um, that look like an offering plate <laughs> like, turned upside down. <laughs> anyway. And they've also got the yellow straps. I just think it's perfect for that 1930s, 1940s hotel. It, like, I can't imagine putting on that uniform and not instantly getting into character as the creepy old-timey bellhop. You know? Absolutely. I always loved the guy in the commercials, like with that very like protruding nose and that creepy face who'd always get into it when like when you'd see the ads for Tower of Terror and I always thought that costume makes it for him. Yeah. Ugh. And then you really ride it and they're like, How many? Four. Okay, <laughs> go to that over there over there. Yeah. And you're like, um 
yeah, my girl yesterday was like, come on. I just want to be like, pat her on the back and be like, I believe in you. You can do this. <laughs> uh, Derek, this was actually my number one. Oh. Tower of Terror. And the reason why is one, I love the long coats that they wear as well. Like they have like the tails. Have you seen some of the cast members? And I love that Goofy sometimes wears the Tower of Terror outfit have you ever seen that like the costume character i think i've only seen it in ads but yeah that's fantastic yeah i've never seen it like in the parks but that would be a great meet and greet oh absolutely yeah why does that not exist oh that's fun because the best meet and greets they say for dvc members speaking (laughs) of did you see today on the instagrams who was out at epcot I saw that it, uh, Phoebus from Hunchback of Notre Dame was randomly meeting in uh, France. If you held a gun to my head and said, who do you think's meeting in France today? The last person I would have told you was the Kevin Klein character in Hunchback <laughs> of Notre Dame. I was, I was so bummed I wasn't there today. So random, but so cool. I made this observation on Twitter and I will stand by it. He looks like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. I saw that and I approve it. <laughs> like total. I mean, I saw it. I was like, what is that? And then I was like, no, 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 no. That facial it, hair was like too long. To, it <laughs> went over from like Phoebus to Shaggy. Yeah, yeah. It looks like somebody cosplaying at a Comic-Con as Phoebus from much from back. It's pretty bad. Oh, it was rough. Mm. Okay. So my number four, speaking of tales, I went with Storybook Circus because I really enjoy how they've kept, um, they took those tents that have been there for forever and kind of never known what to do with them and made this arguably my favorite area of Magic Kingdom now is Storybook Circus. And those costumes just really tie it together with the, um, like the vests very looking like the ringleader and the two tails in the back and the, um, the muted colors of the red and the blue to make it seem like they've been on the tour of the circus for a while and their costumes had faded. I just think they do the perfect job of bringing you into the circus experience. Yeah. I think we talked about these, how like the top half is perfect and I love them, but I feel like the bottom half, they just kind of gave up because they have the long shorts that stop at the knees and then they just wear like ugly black sneakers. Understood. But I mean, what you're not going to put them in uh, like tap shoes or whatever, Can we make that petition happen? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Lion tamer boots. I want them in lion tamer boots. Well, yeah. I mean, that would be miserably hot and not at all practical, but... I wonder if it's a water issue because of the water play area that they're like, these are the only shoes that will be like, in case you slip. Maybe. Like OSHA approved kind of... Right. Yeah. Like OSHA came in and was like, guys, no tap (laughs) shoes. All that to say, though, that is a great pick. And I agree. That area just from top to bottom is themed perfectly. I love it. It is nice, and I agree. I like the muted colors. I didn't pick up on that at first, but I definitely see it as I began to dissect the land a little more. Especially, like, uh, that's that's what's missed about your average day guest, is they don't appreciate those kind of things. But especially, like, when you go into um, where, like, the characters meet and greet there, and how, when you really observe some of the the details it looks worn like it's purposefully worn it's purposefully yeah. cruddy and the one cast member pointed out to me one time she's like yeah that's because pete is really cheap and he doesn't want to pay for you know to fix this so he just like sewed it up really quick and i was like oh my gosh that makes perfect sense now 
It's like the big top souvenirs too, with like you see, look up and you see the trapeze things, and then the carpet is that different color too. They did a great job in just an area that they didn't necessarily need to do the great job in, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I just love it. Yep. Yeah, I will argue all day long too that that needs to be a separate land. That should not be a part of Fantasyland. I agree. I agree. And it totally ruins, like having that as part of Fantasyland totally ruins the entrance song of Kingdom. Uh, da, da, da. Castle leads the entrance way to seven lands and more. Well, now there's only six lands. But if you made Storybook Circus, there would be seven. I agree. I agree. Valid. <laughs> That's on whitehouse.gov. I'm hoping President Trump will address this national crisis soon. We're up to three signatures. We need 100,000 <laughs> before he reads. <laughs> Uh, my pick for number three, I'm going with the costumes at Soren. Um, I like the crisp, clean flight attendant look that they have. I think it just matches this attraction to a T. I feel like they could have gone in several different ways and they went in the right way. Because I feel like I'm loading on an airline. Like if you fly frequently, which... I don't fly as frequently as I used to, but I, I've flown quite a bit. You start to realize that all flight attendants kind of dress in the same manner. And it's all very like crisp and clean. And they have like the white shirt and the ties. And if you go to a really fancy uh, uh, airline or whatever, sometimes you even get the blazer and that kind of thing. And that's what they all wear there at uh, Soren. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. I agree. Those are... You can tell, I mean, obviously they're not going to be a $400 suit. You can tell they're a little cheaply made, but as far as like the aesthetics and the style of it, yeah, that's, that's a win. Soren's my number one. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, I am obsessed with the Soren outfits because that flight attendant chic is, I love it. I loved it. Like that Pan Am style in the 60s and then kind of bringing that idea and bringing it into the modern age that's still, when I see that, I don't think of just any airline. I think of like Soren and Patrick Warburton. I think it's just perfectly done. And the insignia with the little Soren logo on there. Oh my god, everything about it. Soren all the way. Wow, Soren. So there you go. We got two fans on this show. Um, well, two two number ones are down. <laughs> but let's get going with our number three. Uh, mine is also a world showcase costume, much like Jeremy's number four pick. And this is probably one of the ones that you were talking about that are maybe a little insensitive. But that's why I love it, because it just goes there with the theme and with the culture. And that's the Germany. Oh, sorry. I knew it. I was going to say Germany. Lederhosen all the way. I understand. (laughs) I really like them. Listen, the girls have sort of like a... I guess both of them are sort of an Oktoberfest, Bavarian type thing. And so the girls almost look like milkmaids, which sounds weird to say out loud like is that an insensitive thing to say i don't know but if you had like a milkmaid costume for halloween or for some play you were doing that's what i envisioned so it's got like the puffy white sleeves and then they have the dress that have the thick straps um but it's like a it's a it's a dress that stops at the knees and they have like a sort of white apron thing um it's just very fun and very german honestly and then the guys yes they're wearing lederhosen which is so stereotypical but like, it's Disney, it's Walt Disney World. I don't know. I feel like it should be a lot of fun and should totally embrace certain aspects of the culture. And so, um, when you think of Lederhosen, sometimes you think of the shorty short Lederhosen. And it's not that. It's like the bunched 
lederhosen pants that go past the knee with the tall socks. And then it does have, I don't know what it's called, but they have the suspenders with like the the connector between the suspenders across the chest, you know? And then they have the brimmed hat. I just think it's a lot of fun. And maybe it's because the cast members themselves are always smiling like they don't seem to be mind, they don't seem to mind that they're wearing it. I've been to Germany before and it's, they dress like that. Like not every day, but when you go to the beer gardens, it's like a ton of people are wearing lederhosen. So maybe it's normal to them. So they're not like as angry as like other bitter employees across World Showcase who are like, we don't wear this. Maybe. That's interesting. Yeah, I I was in Germany. I've nobody was wearing lederhosen when I was there, but I do see how it is part of the national identity. So I don't think it's as offensive as say like if they had somebody dressed in like African, you know, whatever in the African outpost with like a bone through his nose or whatever. That would be more. Offensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Understood. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think most of the World Showcase uniforms are pretty great. But if I had to pick. I'd have to go Germany because for the guy and the girl, both. They're just a lot of fun. Germany's cool, too, because there's a lot of different textures, I feel like, in those outfits. It's true. Like, there's a little embroidery, and then you have the lederhosen, then you have, like, the white shirts. Yeah, I really dig the Germany pavilion. Well, good. I'm glad you guys weren't offended by my choice. So, my number three is um, Sunset Boulevard's merchandise department. Um which is a wide array, but if you can kind of recollect in your mind, it's like the men have white shirts and suspenders and then like a a red ascot of sorts with um, pants that are, I think, a bluish color. And then the women have that, uh, like a light blue and a white with a red accent as well. And I think I have been a little bitter with all the Hollywood Studios switchover because um, I feel like it's going away from that Hollywood that was but never will be you know that michael eisner idea of it and that 50s inspired stuff and i think that's why i dig the sunset boulevard stuff so much because it encaptures that i'm in classic hollywood and i can see betty davis walk across the street at any point it's perfect to me and brings back dapper day memories and it's just delightful nice i'm gonna have to look those up later i don't does it kind of is the trolley car people fall into that is that the same I don't think so, but I like them a lot. The Trolley Car Cafe. Yeah, they have those brown hats. Yes. Oh, that's fun. Uh, they don't have the hats, but like how the uh, the lady in that picture has her like... Uh, like a bandana. Bandana kind of on her head. That's how um, the... Um, what is the fast food place in Sunset Boulevard? Like Rosie's All-American? Yeah, the people out- like that. They kind of, some of them have the bandana, and I dig that too. But just that whole street, especially the merchandise people, though. Just fun, fun, fun. Yeah, it's a great it's a great area just in general, Sunset Boulevard. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Any place that plays Andrew Sisters, I'm going to like. So, especially <laughs> when it's paired with a fun outfit. <laughs> All right. Uh, my number two is the Haunted Mansion. Mm-hmm. I like the costumes at the Haunted Mansion, um, especially the female costumes, I think are really on point there. Uh, the Haunted Mansion is just such an iconic symbol for Walt Disney World fans uh, that you know people have an image in their mind. And if you deviate from that in any way, they're going to be upset. And so the costumes there really have to be on point 
in order for it to live up to the hype. And I think they nailed it by making the cast members dress up as butlers and maids. Um, and not only butlers and maids, but they still maintain that creepiness of they've been there for years and they've become a part of the aesthetics of the mansion themselves. Um, and, and I think it's great. Uh, they don't try to do anything. They, they didn't try to make it spooky, which they could have tried to go too far and almost made it like campy, scary kind of feel. Um, but they kept it very simple. And uh, it's just like, uh, you know, it just works really, really well there. More power to them. I feel bad for the for the uh, cast members at Haunted Mansion, especially the ones that have to work outside uh, because it looks like it's a very hot costume to wear. Yeah. A lot of layers mm-hmm. <laughs> involved. But uh, that's the sacrifice you make if you want to work at a great attraction. I think you should add an amendment to that. That um, Halloween party Haunted Mansion is even better than normal Haunted Mansion costumes. With the addition of like the cobwebs on their shoulders and in their hats and just so good. Yeah. True. yeah. And, and I like it during the, co- during the party. I don't want that during my everyday. Because Absolutely. that's take it too far. Yeah. And make it like ridiculous. The Halloween party, it works because it, you know, you've stepped up your game. But yeah, during your day-to-day guest experience, it's perfect. Yeah. Uh, my number two is something that should not surprise Jeremy, at least, or listeners of the show. It's a Dapper Dan's on Main Street. It's a classic barbershop quartet, but I think they put a, a Disney spin on it by adding colored pants. I know that sounds weird, but I think most barbershop quartets just have, like, black pants. And I think they might even, most of them probably even just have the same color of striped vest. But the Dapper Dan's, they have the striped vest. They each have the pair of pants that matches it. They have the bow tie that matches it. They have the uh, the sleeve garter things, you know, the little, I mean, garters for your sleeves. That's what they are. They even have spats under their pants, which are so not really necessary for them, but it just adds to the costume. And they have the straw hats with the little thing that matches their whole ensemble. Just everything about it, like as soon as they walk out, like you know exactly what they're going to do. They're going to sing barbershop quartet songs because they're dressed so perfectly and it fits the theme and they're so wonderful. Derek, if I was Oprah, I would surprise you by making your wildest dream come true, by making you a Dapper Dan for the day. Because I feel like that's your destiny. You're going to be a Dapper Dan! (laughs) (laughs) I would love that and not... Just because I get to wear the costume, like I think, <laughs> I think I would just enjoy it. But okay, I'll I'll give you, I'll give you some credit for that. I like remembering now that just all of them know the arrangements of like in sync songs now because of limited time magic. Yeah, I always think about that when I see them now. I'm like, oh, you know, bye bye bye. That's fun. Yeah. Oh, limited time magic. Oh, rest in peace. Yeah. Or in hell. Anyway, um, <laughs> my number two is the epitome of imagining something and it being paired with the exact thing you've thought in your mind. And that is the Walt Disney World Railroad. Those outfits are exactly what you think when you picture an old-time railroad. You have your conductors in full-on overalls with like the white and blue shirt underneath, and then you have the people working the stations with that um, cylindrical hat with the, um, you know, with the bill. bill still attached to it. And always having like their pocket watch chain coming out of their vest pocket. I think it is arguably the one instance where they've taken something iconic and paired it exactly with what you think it should be paired with as far as costuming goes. And 
Just love the train also. Yeah, that's great. I might have forgotten about that one because the railroad's been closed like four of the last times I've been to Walt Disney World. But yeah. It does make you wonder if that really is how they dressed back in the day because it's become such a fixture in our mind of what they dress like that it's like, did they really do that? I mean, I watched Dr. Quinn, so I feel like that's pretty accurate to what they dress like. It's like how pirates like accents are because of that Disney Treasure Island movie. Like no pirates ever talk like that. <laughs> Interesting. But now like Disney has made it part of the lexicon. Yeah, I totally understand. It's probably Disney just telling us that overalls were a thing. Yeah. And like Davy Crockett would have never worn a coonskin cap because he would have got shot in the head. But we <laughs> like to think he would have. Sure. Yeah. And they'll sell them to you, too. For ten ninety nine plus shipping. <laughs> ten ninety nine, that's a bargain. You can uh. They're on sale. They're not doing well. <laughs> okay, so Marshall, your number one was Soren. Soren, yes. And Jeremy yours was Tower Terror. Yes, sir. Okay. Mine didn't even have to think about it. Hands down my favorite costumes, uniforms in Walt Disney World are the Mickey's not so scary cast members who's I mean, they're just all around. They welcome you, you. They welcome you into the gates. They stand by the candy and hand out candy. They're like, hey, they answer questions about character meet and greets. They have the bright lime green striped shirts with the purple bats on them. And then the guys have yellow plaid vests. And then the girls have yellow plaid aprons. And like the guys have the bow ties that are actually bats. You know, they're shaped like bats. And the girls have the headband, like, you know, the New Year's Eve headbands that like, wibble or they like wiggle on top of your head with say like 2017 or whatever it's like that but it's shaped like a bat and they're so perfect i love them so much the green and the purple and the white and the yellow and bonus points if they're holding the bat sign that says this way to candy there you go bonus (laughs) points yeah in fact around halloween time they have daisy up in the um confectionery window and she's wearing that costume. Oh, yeah. I, I love that little thing in there. Uh, and honestly, the Christmas outfits are pretty good, too. Oh, absolutely. Like, they, I think they have Santas on them. And Christmas I, trees, I know, on the shirt. Itself. Christmas trees. Yes, yes. And, of course, green and red. Um, and I really like those, too. And they might make my list, honestly. But if I had to choose easily, it's the Halloween ones. I feel like... I need to buy you... Okay, I'm going to make you a Dapper Dan, and then I'm going to buy you this costume as well on eBay, because... No! You brought this up several times, and I feel like you would wear this around Halloween, maybe. Maybe trick-or-treaters come to your house, and you would answer the door dressed in this costume. You just, like, go to cosplay conventions with, like, a bag of candy in your costume, (laughs) being like, guess where I'm from? Oh my gosh, that I would do, because that's an incredible (laughs) idea, and I love it. No, I don't love these costumes because I want to wear them. I just love them because of, I don't know, how they make me feel when I see people wearing them. It's like, I'm at the, like, there's nowhere else I would be but the Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party if I saw that costume. And I don't know, it's just the perfect blend of, it's the perfect way when you enter that party to let you know, scary is in the title of this thing, but this is just a fun party that you're going to enjoy. You know what I mean? So really is not so. Scary. Not so. <laughs> yes, but technically scary is in the name. It qualifies it with not so. <laughs> and those costumes are the definition of not so scary. They have bats, but they're purple and lime green, you know? Yeah. 
I can say you you are this is the second time you brought those costumes up so yeah I do I, I believe you well listen in 126 episodes we're gonna bring things up more than once I'm sorry those costumes are worth multiple mentions that's right in fact we haven't mentioned them enough on this show is what I would argue. I say a whole episode dedicated to the intricacies of those costumes. <laughs> Tune in next week for our top 10 reasons why you should love Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween costumes. Uh, all right, off the cuff, we didn't talk about this, but off the cuff, ugly costume, go. Well, Chester's and Hester's, but I love it. Um, <laughs> test track. <laughs> I was going to say test track as well. Why is it so bad? Because uh, it just got a giant T on it. I know, and... And, like, you could have done so much making it look like Tron and being, like, really cool and, like, futuristic and slick. And instead, it looks like some nasty, like, roadside mechanic. That whole reboot, they just ruined it in every way. I feel like costumes through everything. My least favorite is land attractions people with that weird, like, teal and turquoise t-shirt and just, like, khaki shorts. Yeah. <laughs> Where it was like they completely forgot, like, oh, guys, we have to costume them differently than everyone else. Give them some t-shirts. Go to the Gap. Buy, like, ten of them. And then bring them back to us. <laughs> they ran out of money. That's what it was. Yeah. They, they were like, really quick, we need to do something. Honestly, most of the costumes that are supposed to be, quote, futuristic are really bad. Like the Tomorrowland Speedway, Space Mountain, Test Track. I mean, Star Tours isn't that great either. Mission Space. Oh, the onesies. Like the coveralls, basically. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Mission yeah. Space coveralls. It looks like they're going to paint a building later. <laughs> it does. Those yeah, and Star Tours is really bad because how, like, why? That's not, nothing about those costumes says Star Wars to me at all. Because they're just they, always like, in corp- Yeah, yeah, and like orange? the same shade of gray that's in every futuristic ride costume at the parks. Exactly. It's like yeah. metallic. That's the future. Yeah. 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 Anyway. That being said, that does it for another episode of the Mad Chatters Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Marshall, thank you so much for joining us. This was so fun. Thank you for having me. I very much had a great time. Well, good. You're welcome back. Anytime. Anytime we need you. No, I'm just kidding. Anytime. Um, so, <laughs> My Amy Sedaris plan keeps going. <laughs> so, listeners, you can go find us over on Facebook and Twitter at Mad Chatters, Instagram at Mad Chatters, and you can send your emails to comments at madchatters.net. Thanks for listening. Take a little time to find the magic in every day. I am working on a little something that I think would be fun. And that is, I have this idea. I haven't hatched it all out yet of turning the haunted mansion just for special occasions into a Rocky horror picture show overlay. Because you know, that whole thing is like these two kids, they get broke down. They have to stop at this weird mansion and it's like all this weird, like sci-fi kind of thing. So if you could overlay it with Rocky horror, I think it'd be cool. While I adore that concept. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I said just for special occasions. So like Riff Raff comes and greets you and takes you into the stretching room. And then as you ride, you meet Rocky. And at one point, Meatloaf walks in and sings his song. This sounds horrible. No. no.
All right. I'll I'm just keep- envisioning Master Gracie's portrait getting older as just Susan Sarandon, like headshots through the years. 